Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 16 of the Remind podcast, where we combine neuroscience, spirituality, and spiritual. And- <laughs> <laughs> we found the start. Welcome to episode 16 of the Remind podcast, where we combine neuroscience, spirituality, and personal development to help you heal your deepest wounds and transform your life. Today, Dave and I are going to be speaking on a topic that uh, that's very close to both of our hearts because we've both mm. lived it on both sides of the spectrum. We are talking about the concept of broken homes. Now, stay with us. Broken homes are not what society says a broken home is, but that is what we are going to be discussing today. So starting our conversation today, Dave, I want to know you've been on the experience of what society would consider a broken home as both the child and the parent of yeah, children. Yeah, big topic. I, do, I, do, I won't say I like this topic, <clears throat> but it's been something that I've been aware of, been talking about recently um, with other people. It's, oh, I mean, being um, someone who has shared custody with his own kids because the mother of my kids and I have separated, have done now for six, seven years, something like that. Um, and so... It's something that my kids deal with and my parents have separated, but they, they didn't separate until they were much older. But definitely the definition of a broken home in the traditional sense, I feel sort of stems back from the 50s, right? Because a broken home means that mum and dad no longer are together. Mm. And so if they're not together, it's broken. And so if you go back to the, the 50s, uh, you know, when I would hear about it from my grandparents and my, and my parents, it doesn't matter how miserable you were in the relationship, you stay together for the kids. Yeah. Or you stay together because there's nothing worse than being in a relationship or being that sort of person that's separated from their partner. Because mm. maybe you didn't try hard enough. Maybe you didn't do all of these things. Where And I think what we're talking about in this is what is the definition of a broken home? Yes, we've got this traditional definition of what the broken home is, where you've got the parents no longer live together, and then you've got the kids swapping between houses, which does come with its own issues. But imagine placing this term of broken home where two people are together that shouldn't be together anymore. In my mind, and this is my very, very personal opinion, that's more broken than anything else mm. because you, your kids are now sent a stage of what exactly? Yeah. Not a loving relationship, conflict. not a loving marriage. You, maybe conflict, maybe tension, but certainly not love. Maybe, so, yeah, maybe, just, maybe just an undertone of unhappiness and unfulfillment, mm. which is still not positive. Absolutely. But the benefit of being in that environment for the child is, well, at least mum and dad are still together, right? Yeah. So there is, there is benefits to that. So I'd be interested to explore both sides of this, um, even though 
spoiler alert, for me, being in a relationship that models the wrong thing for the child, for me, absolutely is uh, more damaging to the child than staying together for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I we are on the same page there. Um, I just was thinking when you said staying together for the kids, it reminded me, maybe that's what we should call this episode. Um, it reminded me ages and ages ago, I did a TikTok video and I think I called it something like, should I stay stay together? For, should we stay together for the kids or something like that? Mm. And I had complete strangers who I didn't know comment on that video saying, thank you, I so needed to hear that. Almost like they they just needed someone to tell them that it was okay to end a relationship that was unhealthy and that you're not going to mess your kids up for the rest of your life if you do. And but that's and that's the biggest <clears throat> sorry to jump in there. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. The people that, that that do stay, they're not doing it because of any other reason that they they you know, there's a genuine feeling, and I, this is something that I'd love for you to talk more about, is if it's for the kid and if there's evidence out there that sort of says being with them is better than not, then, you know, because people are doing it for that that very good reason. They're trying yeah. to be the best parent they can above and beyond the needs of themselves, which yeah. to me is a very heroic thing to be doing. A hundred percent. And it shows a misguided interpretation of what's best for the kids, right? And what I've found is that quite often um, people's I will pre-frame this with the context that I had parents who stayed together for the kids. And yeah. I distinctly remember writing in my journal when I, I would have been in primary school, I remembered writing in my journal that I wished my parents would just break up because our house was so unhappy and not connected and there was no love between them. They hadn't shared a bed in years and all this kind of stuff. And and I, it actually hurt me going to things like, um, you know, like school award nights and mm. presentation nights and all that sort of stuff. And seeing my friends, I remember being shocked going to places like that, seeing my friends' parents walking in holding hands or actually, you know, putting their arm around each other and having affection and observing that going, my parents don't do that. Gee, I wish my parents would hold hands. I want nothing more than for my parents to show each other affection. Like that felt, felt really mm. nice. Um, and so something that I've come across quite a lot is this misperception of what's in the best interest for the kids. And quite often as hard, like literally as, as harsh as this is, it comes down to like a um, practicality thing. Like if I stay in a relationship, I have two incomes usually. Quite often there's two incomes to support one household, which means the perceived quality of life that you could have off two incomes and only running one household is better. We can go on more holidays. I can buy them better presents. I can afford brand name clothes. We can go out for dinner and we can afford all these things, these lifestyle things that we overlay an assumption that our children are going to have a better life if we can provide them with more of these materialistic things. Or at least not leave them wanting, I suppose, is what you're sort of saying. Yes. So yep. we can't do not that because that. we can't do that because we can't yep. do that because we can't do that because, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And so that's that actually 
has been a massive driving force behind a lot of the people that I've worked with. And interestingly, when I, I do a lot of inner child work with clients and um, something that has been really interesting. So I work with adults and as part of working with adults, we resolve their childhood wounds. And so many adults that I have worked with have ended up resolving wounds never, ever once have I had someone have to resolve a wound because they their house wasn't a mansion or because they didn't get to go on all these holidays every year and things like that. But I sure as heck have had a lot of people have to resolve wounds because their parents were not able to be present with them because the mental and emotional and relational state of their home was not connected and safe and somewhere that was a positive environment and that was really confronting for me as an adult because mm. I could relate to that as a child myself and go wow even back then when I was just in primary school I knew that I wanted my parents to be more loving towards each other I knew that I wanted this because when I saw that in my friends parents I'd go oh really want that so when it came to my own, you go. No, you, you, you go. When it came to my own relationship in a marriage that was very unhealthy to the father of my children, I really was reflecting on that from a number of different angles, going, well, yeah, my life is actually kind of easier logistically and practically, my life is easier if we stay together. We've got two income, like two good incomes. We can afford a lot more. Um, I have practical help around the house. Like there's another adult who can take on some of the load with cleaning and cooking and ch child minding. Like what an awful way to even think about that, right? Mm. Um, I.e. parenting. <laughs> but also my life wasn't easier by staying in that marriage. My life was very hard in that marriage because I was emotionally, my needs weren't met. Uh, there was a lot of other issues. So it's, it was a, a situation of choosing the hard, choosing the hard of staying together, in which case if we stayed together, my children had parents who were not connected, who were not close. The, there was no love or joy or, or peace in the home. And the impacts that that has on a developing child's mind are significant. And we'll probably go further into that soon. So how does that mm. resonate with your experience? Yeah, well, I, like from my my parents, they probably separated when I was like 19. So for me, it was it was sad, but it was sort of something that it didn't affect me like it had affected my children when I left their mother. So my oldest was five and my youngest was just turning two. So this is very early on in the piece, right? So exactly ages of my kids. I did not know that. No joke. Okay. I didn't know that. All Two right. and five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so the youngest one doesn't necessarily know any different. <clears throat> like it's sort of his basically his his remembrance is of the two different the two different households. But the eldest one does remember the pain because she was she was five. She doesn't remember the actual details because we we still talk about it. Um she doesn't talk about the exact details, but she still does remember the pain of it. Mm -hmm. And um, 
she still sort of does raise every now and again about the myself and their mother getting back together again because there's that genuine want of hey there was that sensation that feeling that she had because this is my eldest daughter darcy i know she's listening hello darcy um is there was some memories of good stuff that we did together right she didn't necessarily see so much of the the disconnect that was there she probably felt it but didn't know what it was yeah but there was massive disconnect but what she does remember is some of those fun times being able to hold dad's hand in one hand and mum's hand in the other and walk together and sort of mm-hmm. feeling that sort of real that real connection and i guess probably um a question i'll pose to you as as a as a young girl going through this because i didn't i didn't go through this i definitely went through as i look back my parents were never that cohesive. They had loving times, but they were very rare when mm-hmm. I go back and, and look at it. But I didn't know any better as a child. And so for me, it was what it was. So I'm interested to explore a bit further with you, knowing the difference between this is what it's what it normally is, right? Mum and dad don't, okay, sleep in the same bed. Mum and dad don't really spend too much time, but they'll tolerate each other. They'll work together if they have to clean the kitchen or whatever it is, right? You don't know any better. How do you find that, and especially for the the child, and especially when you're doing it for the child, and all you can think about is that heartbreak. Could you imagine telling the child, I'm leaving your father, I'm leaving your mother, I'm leaving, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the child goes, but Why? From your point of view, I'd really like to look at what, how did you know any different? Yeah, that's massive. And that is honestly the biggest thing. I have coached people through conscious breakups. And what does that actually mean? Well, it means how do we break up in a way that we can still love and honor each other where we're not messing up our kids? Because in what you just asked, you had a fundamental assumption that what you were telling the children had to be heartbreaking. Well, why wouldn't it be? I mean, from from a child's point of view that may know some of the nuances of what's going on but doesn't know the full picture yet, especially if you're going to receive that information in the way that we deliver it. So it's something I was really conscious of when it came to my kids and I knew that it's kind of like, um, have, you, have you ever experienced a child who falls over and they're okay, but they look to the adults to see how to respond? The and reaction, if the adults yeah. are like, oopsie daisy, you're okay, then they're like, oh, and they get up and they brush themselves off and they're okay. Mm. But if the adult goes, oh, oh my God, then the child freaks out and goes, oh, Mm, mm. So a child's reaction to something, because everything is new to them, every experience is new to them. And so how they respond to something or react to something is very dependent upon us, the energy that we bring to it. And so when it came time for us to explain to our kids that mummy and daddy love each other, but we're not going to be married anymore. We're going to live in different houses. 
And we had no idea if the way that we handled it or not was right. We didn't have anything to go off other than mm. I was really, really intentional that my pain was mine and not my kids. Mm. And so I didn't have any feedback on how we did until one day um, my we my car was getting serviced and my ex-husband had picked my son and I up and brought us home. And as we were driving, Elijah said, guys, thank you so much for living in different houses. And we looked at each other and we were like, it was like one of those stop the clock moments, almost mm. like we're trying to stand still. And we just looked at each other and we were like, what? And he and I asked him, what do you mean, mate? And he goes, well, before, before when you guys lived in the same house, mummy used to cry a lot and daddy used to yell a lot. And now you live in different houses and mummy's happy and daddy's happy. Thank you for mm. living in different houses. And, that and, was that's, the, and that's coming from a five-year-old at the time. Well, he, he was six then. Um, yeah. And no, but so, I'm saying when, when, when you left, it was, he yeah, was five. Yeah, we separated and he was five. Um, and so that was the first piece of evidence that I had where I was reassured in how we had handled things because I was hurting. Absolutely. I was hurting and I had massive insecurities and fears come up around what life was going to look like and being alone and who would want me. I'm a single mum with two little kids and all like all these fears and insecurities and all this stuff coming to the surface. But bigger than all of that was knowing how my kid's brain was developing and not wanting to project my pain onto them. So how I framed the conversation was exactly that. Sometimes there was a song that actually I used to play on repeat and it was, um, oh, I'll have to find it. Maybe I'll find it and we can link it in the comments to the, mm. to the show notes. But it was literally talking about um, sometimes mums and dads fall out of love. Sometimes two homes are better than one. Sometimes, and I, like it was just playing oh, on repeat. It just spoke into my heart and I heard that song while I was driving home from a um, visiting my husband at the time. And it was when I heard that song, I burst into tears and that was the moment that I knew that our relationship was done. It was like that song was speaking to me and I have no idea how it even ended up on my playlist. It was really quite crazy. I don't think I've ever told anyone that actually. Wow. Um, You've told a few now. I've told a few <laughs> now. Yeah. But that was the moment where in my spirit I knew we were done. Mm. And because staying was more harmful to my kids than leaving. And I just explained exactly that. Mummy and Daddy still really care about each other, but we're going to live in different houses. And we're still a team and we still care about you. And I'm very conscious that not everyone out there is blessed enough to have a part like to be separating from someone who they can effectively co-parent with. I am very aware that there are ex-partners who can make your life a living hell. And so oh, it's not it's hmm. not um it's not something that I say lightly or flippantly, but even if there is a partner who's 
hell-bent on making your life a living hell, it is still possible to, to an extent, protect and mould the impact that that has on your kids. Because I, I think even, they, don't, they don't need to be making your life a, a living hell, but it's sort of like imagine you're in a situation where you're both staying for the child and neither of them, well, you know, both of them are probably looking at each other saying, can you just break up with me? Without saying it, yeah. Because the one that the one that pulls the pin is the one. Well, you wanted this, you did this, right? Yeah. And then they can they can say to they can say to the child, "Well, I didn't break it off. I was prepared to to stick out through all of this." Um, And so that's not necessarily making life torturous, but it's sort of like this this whole thing of, well, I don't want to accept responsibility from it because it. And again, it does all come from. What I believe the people that the people doing this, they it's a genuine desire to do what they feel is best for the child, yeah. and they and they truly believe that. Yeah. And so, let's maybe explore some of the benefits. Then let's play devil's advocate, right? Let's just say you got two people who just genuinely want to be to yeah are only together because of the child, mm-hmm. because they're miserable in in most other aspects. Um, what's some of the benefits of them working together to stay in, to stay in the same home versus actually sort of separating as opposed to coming at it from a fairly one-eyed approach? Do you mean separating but under one roof or do you mean working together to reconcile their relationship? Well, let's just say, yes, let's, if you can reconcile, obviously that's the best thing, right? Yep. But assume that you can't, but let's just say you you put up with it. Right, and you're still not reconciling the relationship, but you're tolerating the relationship to a certain degree, but mm-hmm. you're still there for the for the child. What's some of the benefits of doing that for the child, in your opinion? Only practical. So, there is no only so, practical. So it's sort of like they they still have okay. So for for, for me, if I had to play, you know, um, devil's advocate on this one, it'll be the child has still access to both mum and dad predominantly at the same time they don't have yeah. to share because one thing Darcy will, will will tell me as a as a very wise almost 11 year old she goes dad you don't have to move every week I do mm-hmm. and so I have these things over at mum's place that I really want at your place I've got these things over at your place I really want at mum's place and so that's that's a practicality of having you know being together yep. in in my mind also the the perception that we can that we are still a family i also Ooh, say that's a dangerous one that's a really well, dangerous one because how we learn, how we pro- learn the programs yeah. of what a family looks like is the family that we have when we're a kid so if if i right. learn so say for example um, and this, when I'm doing family work and relationship work, this is exactly the questions I start with. Where did you learn what a marriage looks like or what a partnership looks like? Well, mum and dad. Mum and dad. And so, so what does that look like? Well, that looked like dad working all day. It looked like mum doing this, doing that. And so I do that at the start because it's very, very confronting for people 
to realize that they are repeating the patterns that they observed in their early life simply because they don't know any different. That Mm. is what it looks like. And so I remember my first wedding looking around going, there is not, and I distinctly remember this because it was extremely unsettling. And I looked around and I thought, there is not a single relationship here that I hope mine turns out like. And I realized that I had never been exposed to what a healthy relationship looks like. How do you handle conflict? Should you fight? Should you not fight? Should you fight in front of the kids? Should you make up in front of the kids? How often should you have sex? Um, Should you go on holidays? Who should cook? Who should clean? How do you express your opinions? Do you keep your mouth shut? Do you, like, all these things. I only knew what I knew, but what I knew wasn't necessarily healthy. Mm. So my family (laughs) dynamic, I actually did not have the choice and agency that I had was kind of deceived into thinking that I had. Because if I could make a conscious choice, I would choose a healthy relationship, but I can't choose a healthy relationship if I don't know what that looks like. Mm. Does that make sense? So when my when yes. my answer was practicalities, the benefit of staying together is practicalities. That's all I can really think of. Practicalities okay. from a financial perspective, practicalities of, yeah, the coming back and forth, the movement of, like, how annoying is it? Even school shoes and you got to always be taking things back and forth. And that is impractical. Mm. Um, but the what the children learn from that is potentially massively more damaging. Because they're just, they're just going to look for or find comfort in the relationship that you, that yeah, as a parent that you have with your partner. Because Pretty it's much. familiar. It's, it's well, more it's familiar, familiar than it is, yeah. And if, you, if I ask the question, what does love look like? Well, even the love languages thing, our love mm. languages were all influenced by how love was shown when we were kids. Right. So we're not talking like love language, like touch, acts of service, gift. Yeah, gift it can giving, be. Yeah. Absolutely. All those things, all those things can be influenced by what does love look like to you? If you were Mm. feeling really loved, what would someone be saying, doing, um, touching? And how we respond to that is influenced by our early life experiences, what love looked like in our home. Mm. Um, And so for some people, like uh, my ex-husband um, shows love and my kids know this. They, they're the ones who tell me this. I love them through cuddles and quality time and attention and affection. That's not how their dad isn't capable of that kind of love. He didn't mm-hmm. have it. It wasn't safe for him. Um, but he can love them through buying them gifts. And acts of service. So love can look different. And so uh, I guess when you can understand that living in two separate homes may be impractical, but the caveat to this is can you live in two separate homes and actually be happy? Because 
I have also had clients who separated from their partners 20 years ago and are still, they might as well still be in the relationship. They're still trapped in complaining about it. They haven't broken free from the relationship. They've never really moved on. They're still tied Mm. up in hurt. They're still tied up in blame and resentment. And if removing yourself from the relationship and moving on physically doesn't actually support you to move on emotionally and mentally, then you are no better off and you might as well still be in the relationship. And I suppose that's that, that goes for you making your own personal decision as the person listening to this and sort of going like when you when you take the leap of faith, which it is a leap of faith, especially for, I know, Ash, you probably felt the same way as sort of I did, that it wasn't a light decision to, to do this. Like, um, you know, and so when you take the leap of faith, there is going to be that, you know, you're sort of jumping but I'm not sort of flying just yet. I'm falling because you're mm-hmm. taking the jump before you start yep. to learn to flap your arms and then, you know, after a while start flying and then start start gliding. But just because you're never going to have that comfort. If people had that comfort that they know exactly what they're doing is exactly the right thing mm-hmm. and they can see the future, they can see their kids are going, you know, and everything's laid out in front of you, it'd be the easiest decision to make. Oh, apparently... Absolutely doesn't happen in this lifetime okay yeah so you are going to be forced to go within and just sort of ask yourself am i happy mm. and if the answer is how am i being how am i yeah. being while doing yeah yeah absolutely it's, a, it's not about it's the like, outcome it's well, not at all about the outcome because your happiness unless you're an absolute brat of a person which i'm assuming most people are not that it's not sort of like I'm not happy because I don't have this thing or the expectations are too high or all of these things. All of this is fueled from, and even the people that I have come across that have woefully high expectations, it's normally because they need to set the expectations that high so they can justify the fact they're not happy so they can move on. If they didn't have to justify mm-hmm. it, they'll just simply move, move on. Yeah. But it's a difficult decision. It's not easy. But if you're not happy, and you spend more time thinking about the grass is greener on the other side, whether it is or not, it's something that you are being intuitively led to do. Well, to at least uh, explore. At least explore. Yes. Explore with curiosity before the doing part. And this sure. is something that, that, that I would really, really, really um, explain in detail is it's not about the outcome. There's no good outcome. It's not about saying you should break up or you should stay. That's not what this conversation is. The conversation really is, is understanding, well, I can stay and be unhappy. I can leave and be unhappy or I can stay and do some healing or I can leave and do some healing. Because regardless of the outcome, can I be at peace and regulated with that outcome? Mm. And that, that is so much more important. It's because a broken home has not got anything to do with whether or not you have one house, two houses, in a relationship, not in a relationship. A broken home doesn't come from that. 
a broken home comes from an unconscious home. An unconscious home is a, is a home where we are at the mercy of patterns. We, we're not in control. Mm. We, we, there's no intention. There's no consciousness. Um, and it's almost like we are not the ones making the choices. We're victims to our circumstance. And so when I have a very, very confronting conversation with people right up front and I will say to them, are we working towards a conscious coming together or a conscious separation? Either way, there's going to be healing because if you are both two feet in, no matter what has happened in your relationship, even if there's been lying, cheating, all kinds of things, gambling, you can turn that around because all those behaviours are just stemming from your own past and your own wounding. We can absolutely turn that around, in which case you can stay together, you can have a healthy relationship, you can work Mm -hmm. on that, you can have a family life and nurture your children in in a healthy environment where they are going to grow up to see two parents who are committed to being better. Or you can separate and we can still do the work where you are regulated, where you can separate and actually have appreciation and gratitude and love, bring love, like um, having a heart posture of love in that circumstance. Mm. And that's really powerful because it means that you can be separated and not mess up your children. You can stay together and not mess up your children. So the defining factor of messing up our children is not whether we separate or whether we stay together. The defining factor of whether we mess up our children is can we overcome whatever the barriers are to peace, connection, presence, love, joy, patience, and all those things. Mm. And is it what we if it's not what we want, because we can heal, we can come back into our centered aligned space and realize that we were only with that person from the space of our wounding. And when we come back into our centered aligned space, then that's not the person we want to do life with. And that's okay. Mm. And it, it couldn't, it, it may even be a situation. And look, I, I, appreciate everything you just said. So maybe before when I said, if you're not happy, maybe we replace that if you're not at peace with the situation, right? Um, If you're not at peace with the situation, that is the clue that the the path you're on needs to change. You're on the wrong path. So that's that's sort of a guide. So don't fight that because that's your own feeling. No one else is putting that on you. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're seeking to talk to other people and they're telling you that, it's only because it started from within you that you're not at peace with this. Because if you're not yep. at peace with this, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be troubling. Hundred percent. But it could even, um, from the point you're sort of saying, coming together with someone with a, with a wounding, and um, I want to take that aspect. I also want to take the other thing which you're saying is a highly conscious breakup, or a conscious breakup, or mm-hmm. a conscious understanding, or a conscious healing. Now, imagine two people coming together through the laws of attraction. There's similar woundings. And then ideally, as one person starts to embrace becoming more conscious and healing and things like that, the other partner does as well. And so they start to grow together. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, and I'm sure you've seen it a lot, 
is one person starts and grows and the other one puts up with it. And so it's not as though, you know, what may have worked previously and what did work, because when you think about it, when we first got together, whatever, it was it was great. We had these things, you're that person, I'm that person. It was great, but like a, a frog being slowly boiled in the pot. Mm-hmm. We've now gotten around and it's gone from being warm to I see bubbles around me, what's going on? Yeah, a breaking so, point. Yeah. And so it's there's those two things combining together and it's not like you know you came together trauma bonding it could have just been you're a perfect alignment at that time for where you were at exactly and so it's it's really coming back to you don't need to be ashamed of yourself to be at this point because i do feel that comes into it Mm. it certainly sure as hell came into it for me yeah especially when i went through my second divorce like Part of me was sort of thinking, what what have I done? Why did I why why did I just get married and then just get divorced again? So part of me was sort of thinking, even though I was not at peace with the second marriage, a massive part of me to keep me staying wasn't necessarily kids because I didn't have kids with the my second wife. But it was that whole thing of, oh mate, like what you don't know what you're doing. And what you know, will people those, think of me? Yeah, I'm like one marriage away from being Ross from Friends. Okay, it's not it's not a challenge, right? But it's sort of it, it's it's all of these things. So a lot of the, you know outside of that, you might be staying with someone because you you starting to think of, of things through shame or fear or ego. What is this person going to say about me if I instigate this this exit, this separation? Because yeah. that person's going to be hurt because that person hasn't whether they felt that it was okay or not, if you feel as though you want more, the other person doesn't, and you separate from that, and they're prepared to be miserable but you're not, then you're probably going to cop it from that person either a little bit or a lot. Yeah. And the way in which society will judge you, because factually speaking, <laughs> if you're the one that left, oh, and if you're a dad as well, there's a whole new context of a dad, dad leaving. And the way society views that, wow, don't get me started on that. Um, that, yeah, it's it's messy and you've got all of this ahead of you and there's probably all the reasons why you're staying. But just remember, that peace that you don't have within you is from within you and it's yours for a, for a reason. It's yes. not anybody else's. It's and an invitation. Yes. Yeah, it's an invitation. And when you, I really loved what you said about it's it's telling you that you're not on the right path and your path has to change. Don't automatically take that as I have to end my relationship because that's not what it's saying at all. It says your relationship has to change. It doesn't say it has to end. And so the first the first path, no matter how badly you feel you're at the breaking point, there is nothing that can't. that you can't come back from and so I would encourage you that if you're both on the same page yes exactly which is where I'm going if you're both on the same page yeah which is where I'm going so your first step has to be we've done whole episodes on mind body awareness and these kinds of things your first step has to be having awareness of 
what of that guiding light in inside you and sometimes that feels like a lot of resistance and sometimes that feels like a lot of pain um, or anxiety or whatever it might be that is just making noise to get your attention and the attention mm. should be curiosity and acknowledgement going okay so this there's resistance coming up in me so something needs to change the questions then become do I know how to change? Maybe you need a therapist. Maybe you need a coach. Maybe you need some support. And is the other person willing to grow with me? Oh, because no. that and that is so the defining factor or the deciding factor of whether you stay together or separate isn't about anything other than can are they willing to grow with me? And I said after my first husband that I would never get married again. And just by default, by saying first husband, it indicates that I have a second husband. <laughs> um, but the only reason that I agreed to marry my husband is because I had evidence, hard evidence, not built off hopes and fantasies, but actual hard evidence that he was willing to do the work and grow with me. And what that says is that, being right for each other right now is is wonderful. It feels so beautiful. Mm. But being right for each other right now does not say that you're going to be right for each other in 10 years, 50 years. So being right for each other completely, if that's your only justification or only thing that's saying, I want to stay in this relationship because we used to be so good together, is a terrible justification because mm. everyone learns and grows everyone's um, interests change and perspectives change and body size and shape changes. And there's changes that happen constantly. And so if we can be with someone who is as committed to growing as what we are, it means that even through the seasons of change, even through the seasons of not seeming right for each other, we're willing to do the work to grow. And I had evidence of that. So I think that's and, really, really important. Yeah, I mean, for for me, I love the the fact that you had evidence, but I'd sort of say what what I'm hearing that you're saying is that you had trust. Yes, in him. But, but whether the trust it's what, whether, being yeah, well, I mean, there, there has to be someone to go. Oh, yeah, I'm willing to do that. Yeah, I'm willing to change, but then oh, their actions don't support it. Absolutely, but it then comes down to trust. So it's sort of like, yes, you can talk about being the, the, the change or you just trust that that person's going to change and it may come from evidence through talking about it, through what, what whatever it is. I just I just had this picture of people going around, you know, after this podcast going, show me evidence. Give me evidence, <laughs> right? No. Get the clipboard out. But it's just more about for you personally feeling I, I trust and it's it's going to have to be through they'll sit in the mud with you, they'll walk with you, they'll have mm -hmm. the hard conversations with you, they'll be vulnerable with you. And I'm talking, I'm yeah. not I'm not putting a gender on this because this is this is gender fluid. This is just the the things. You respect them and they respect you, and they show yeah. that not in every you know, big grandiose things, but every every little day, every little thing, there's that sort of understanding. Yes, you're going to have fights and arguments. Yes, you're going to have all of that. But it's about, do you know me? Do I feel seen? Do I trust you? Are, are, are we together 
in this and do we trust each other to grow together as as well yeah, yeah. and will you so, do what you say you'll do oh that's a big one for me oh will you do what you say you'll do and when and again this yeah. is when i'm talking about evidence it's one thing like i would not have married my husband if he said he was going to do this yeah i'm willing to do that i'm willing to do this i'm willing to do this work but then never took action on anything 100 percent. i would never because there's no trust there because he hasn't done what he said he would do mm. and so when i say i had evidence over a period of time he was willing to have the conversations that we needed to have he was willing to take action on the conversations mm. and then there was actual things that changed so that says to me that we both have a commitment to doing better and being better and even though sometimes it's really uncomfortable and the ego really hurts because we have to see a side to ourselves that's ugly to see mm. or you know those kinds of things you want a partner who's willing to see it and who will grow with you yeah so, because being wrong is not a pleasant feeling and, you know, I would I would say to people, anyone who knows me very well, would know that I don't I don't mind being wrong, but I love being right. Um <laughs> because yes, it's like I, I don't want to be the problem. But the great thing about if something's been shown to you where you are the problem, then you've got the ultimate ability to be the change. Yeah. To fix it. Um this has been this has been um, quite a big one, Ash. Um, broken home definition coming down to relationships and just everything like that. And just look a, a big caveat when we're talking about he and she and you know male and female, we're just talking about you know how like the polarities of the energy of you know yes, um, but you know I've married two females. Ashes married to a, a guy, but it doesn't need to be simply a heterosexual thing thrown over that. It's just talking about the different energies here. So, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And look, for, for those of you who are have stumbled across this video because you wanted to find out more, because you're curious about the fact about being in a broken home and, and with kids, our hearts go out to you. It's a tough. It's a it's a tough one. Um, we send our love to you because it's not it's not going to be where you are now is probably not an easy thing. So, yeah. um, and there there you can't make the wrong decision. Whichever way you decide, you simply can't make the wrong decision. Commit to it. But really, if you're staying together with someone, then you have to understand or know or get an understanding from them. Are they are they prepared to work with you? As Ash said. Or, or not. Mm. And so, and then from there, what are you showing the child? Yeah. What are, what are they going to get from it? How, yeah. are you how are you modeling the treatment that you give your partner? How are you modeling the treatment that you are allowing from your partner, good and bad? And how is it that when you place your child as a grown adult in a relationship, would you be proud if they were in that same relationship? Yeah. Well, yeah, 100%. That's so, so massive. Very well summed up, Dave. And I think the only thing I would add to that, which feels very strong for me, is if you are choosing to stay in the relationship, you are already 
one step ahead because it's been your choice. You're not there because you're stuck there. You're not there because you don't, you're not even aware of any other alternative. You're there because you're choosing it. And if you choose it today and then you get 12 months down the track and it becomes even harder to choose and you choose differently, that's okay. But being empowered means stepping into mm. your agency of choice. And when you can bring that agency of choice already, that is a much more empowering position because you know that everything that comes as a result of, as a consequence of your choice is only coming because you've chosen it. Mm. And that was a really big one for me to know that the the fights and the conflict and the heartache and the hurt that was coming my way could was only coming my way because I was still choosing that relationship. And at any time mm. I had the capacity to choose otherwise and so that was, it, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like an instant choice and then it happened. Mm. It was a matter of seeing the consequences, like the consequences and red flags just became more obvious and more obvious and more obvious and more obvious and I was more willing to see it. And over time I went, I want to choose something different now. Mm. And so it's okay. It's okay to choose. It's okay to choose even if others don't understand it. And it's okay for your choice to change. I'll give that one a mic drop. That was a, that was a great one. Absolutely. <laughs> Amazing episode. Great to have you all joining us. Go and check out some of our other episodes. I think some of the relevant stuff that we've spoken about is people-pleasing and fear of rejection, really big ones. Mm. That come yeah. And... Let us know in the comments if you want us to go deeper into anything that we spoke about today, particularly um, how your choice might be affecting your kids. I think that's a really powerful one. That was a big one. All right. Thank you, Ash. I'll see you Thanks, next Dave. week. Yeah, you will. Bye, guys. Bye. -bye.